Welcome to the Heart of Money podcast, where we discuss the impact that money has on every area of your life, and where you can learn to make smarter money decisions. Join our conversation as we discuss our past experiences, talk about how to make better money management choices, and in the end, make a commitment to being weird. Hey folks, welcome back to the Heart of Money, episode 22. I'm your host, Austin Black, joined by my co-host and good friend, Mr. Bob Wessler. It's April Fool's Day, but we're not going to fool you with today's episode. We're going to talk about some honest um, realities that Bob and I both went through as we discuss our biggest financial lesson slash mistake slash goof up, whatever you want to call it. One of the things that we learned the most from because we goofed up. Because we made a mistake, because we we did something we probably shouldn't have done, and whether or not it turned out to hurt us is is debatable. But we definitely learned something from it, and we definitely will never do that again. So we're going to make this a two part series because after recording our stories, realize that we both talk a lot about our different <laughs> instances, our different lessons. So this week, Bob is going to kick us off in sharing what his biggest financial lesson was. Um, and it's probably something that a lot of you have actually experienced. Maybe you have um, had the same circumstance, and hopefully you learned from it. But if you didn't, uh, maybe this will will give you a second look at why this was one of Bob's biggest financial lessons and mistakes. Um, but before we get to the to the podcast, I want to remind everyone that next week is the Revive Summit. That's right. Next week, April 4th through the 6th, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, we're having the Revive Summit, a completely free event that I would absolutely love to have you be a part of. If you're looking for motivation to hit your goals this year, if you're kind of in a rut, if you just are are tired of getting halfway through the year and realizing, I'm really not getting done this year what I wanted to get done. I'm not improving my life. I'm not going the places I want to go. I'm just kind of, I'm still trying to figure out what the next step is. Or maybe I just want to keep moving forward. I want to have that motivation and that encouragement because here it is the second quarter of the year and life takes over. We get busy. Our goals tend to kind of get pushed back a little bit, whatever your reason is. This summit is going to be an event that you absolutely do not want to miss because I've got 10 incredible speakers, including myself, lined up to talk about pretty much every area that's important to our lives um, to be successful. That includes marriage, parenting, Christian living, financial management, personal development. Those five pieces, I think, are critical to us being able to achieve our goals, being able to be happy, being able to be successful, being able to live productive, um, achieving lives. So if you want help in any of those areas, if you want motivation, if you want encouragement, if you want to be revived and rejuvenated to hit your life goals in 2022 and make this year the best one yet, then jump over to freedommoneycoach.com slash revive. That's freedommoneycoach.com slash revive. Sign up completely free. Join us next Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday for a virtual summit that's going to change your life. That's going to help you achieve your goals in a better, stronger, bolder, more incredible way than you've ever done before. So again, freedommoneycoach.com slash revive. Sign up and I'll see you next Monday. So what you're saying is we're actually going to get this one started without any comedy.
I, I'm speechless right now, coming, trying to come up with something other than my biggest faux pas. <laughs> Yeah, we got all the horse stuff out already. So right, right. Fair game now, right? Well, we're we're back at it, and this kicks off our. Actually, this is April. We're recording now. My goodness, time has flown by on me. My gosh. Yep. So this is our first episode for April, and you know we've we've had some really positive reflection in the last few weeks, talking about budgeting, talking about our, our financial wins, talking about how you forgot the propane or water bill or whatever it was that you had, or no, it was childcare. That's what it was. The childcare that you goofed yeah. up on. I had to bring that back to the, to the forefront. Yeah. <laughs> yes. My wife brought that back up. She goes, she said, thank you that I put that out for everybody else to hear that I messed up. So yeah, she said, thank you wholeheartedly. Yeah. And I'm sure she appreciated that, so, that public acknowledgement. <laughs> yeah. That and the water bill. You said water bill. Right. The water bill being paid now. So, yep. So this week, just in time. Um, that's the best thing. Just in time. <laughs> it's an inventory thing. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, this week, you and I are gonna are gonna open up our ourselves a little more again, as we discuss the biggest financial mistake slash lesson that we've learned you know we've we've said all along that we we've messed up in the past we're still going to mess up because we're still learning but we're growing and we're, we're constantly developing and honestly i have found that there is so much to be learned whenever you admit what you did wrong whether it's learning from yourself or learning from others <clears throat> that admittance of goof up mistake um trial, whatever it is, always seems to be a benefit. So I think we're going to have a good conversation today, just kind of highlighting that, what we've learned, why we're never going to do that again. And hopefully, if nothing else, we can laugh at ourselves because it's really hard to laugh at each other. No, I'm kidding. It's pretty easy to laugh at each other, but (laughs) that's how the conversation usually goes. (laughs) So, Bob. I'm just thinking... Along the lines of, um, it's always better to learn from somebody else's mistakes. It's not as costly, damaging, painful. You don't lose limbs when it's somebody else's mistake. Um, And so our listeners can laugh at us and learn from our experience so they don't have to go through those painful lessons themselves unless they really want to. Um, Like I heard Dave say the other day, you know, if you don't like being out of debt, you can go right back in. It's how it's all designed. <laughs> Pretty that, much, yeah. That and the uh, the uh, finance uh, professor that doesn't have his money straight is kind of like the shop teacher that's missing his fingers. So mm-hmm. both too good. Or, or the, uh, the personal so. trainer that can't, you know, is, is overweight. That type of mentality. Yeah, so much cooler online. He's got a great Facebook profile. Exactly. So. Yeah. Six, six, anyway, I digress. <laughs> <laughs> so, Bob, I will. Uh, I I know where I'm going with this. I have no idea where you're going. So I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Oh, let I just you... changed it up. Just changed it. Up. <laughs> I'm gonna let you start this up uh, and see see what lessons you have learned, what mistake you have made that you're gonna that you're like never again. Uh, what's been the one thing that just 
really made you wake up maybe? Well, you know, we've talked quite a bit about one subject and I wanted to get mm-hmm. off that subject and found a different lesson um, that I learned poorly and probably learned it poorly twice, but probably got better off the second round than the first. Uh, and that has to do with buying cars from car dealerships. Um, mm. I I just had to have a Jeep Wrangler at one point, And my wife at the time could not drive a manual transmission, didn't want a manual transmission. And even better, where we were living, off-roading really wasn't a thing. So it was a pavement SUV. So I had an automatic four-door Wrangler, two-wheel drive. All the things you don't want in a Wrangler, but it looks good. (laughs) Right. Kind of like almost uh, useless in that regard. And not for the purposes that we were using it, but I think I put a thousand miles on it in like a year or something like that. So that shows you how much I'd actually drove it. (laughs) Um, But that was the second mistake I made. The first one was getting the truck and finding out the truck was at a um, low budget car lot that went out of business in no time. So Hmm. even though I did a whole bunch of research on it, um, couldn't figure out why the vehicle was so cheap and it checked out. And then when I went to trade it off for this Jeep, the uh, found out that it had been in a wreck and that wasn't reported. So Hmm. I recommend... Not just one um, car check, but there's what Equifax Experian, there's Carfax. Um, Don't just go one route, check multiples um, when you're looking at a used car. And I definitely don't recommend buying a brand new vehicle, but that's just my opinion. Um, So this vehicle, this Jeep that we got, knowing me and how particular I am with vehicles, I went into the local dealership and I wanted a Wrangler Sahara. For those people that know what a Wrangler Sahara is, we'll leave it there. The guy at the dealership kept calling it a Sierra, not a Sahara, a Sierra. And I wanted to say that's a GMC pickup, not a Jeep Uh Wrangler. That should have been my first clue. Yeah. But these two guys were working in tandem. They couldn't find what I wanted. So they sent it off to another guy who said, yep, there's one of these down in San Antonio or outside of San Antonio. It had 12 miles. So I was looking specifically for automatic two-wheel drive, specific color. It was the last year of that color, et cetera. Guy shot me a figure. I'm like, okay, because I wasn't paying any attention at that time to the price. And I was probably about the age you were when you had the grocery store incident. I think I was about that age. Um. So needless to say, I wasn't the brightest <laughs> tool, uh, light bulb, whatever the proper analogy is, headlight for this one. Um, but he shot me a price. I'm like, okay, whatever. Worked for me. We went back over to the sales office, whatever. And the guy shoots me a different price. That's a couple thousand more. And I said, well, well wait a minute. This isn't what he said. That should have been my second walk away point. Needless to say, I did not walk away. Um, (laughs) They put me in a loaner to drive it for a few days until my Jeep came in. The thing is, when you go to a dealership and they give you a vehicle, 
The whole purpose of you getting that vehicle to drive around is to make sure that you stay interested and that you come back. Yeah. Yep. There's another point to take. Um, so I got my vehicle and like I said, drove it for a thousand miles. I got the extra coverage insurance on it. Um, this, that, and the other, and I ended up paying way too much for it and getting little out of it. Cause then I sold it to a re, uh, resale lot without mentioning them by name. And, uh, it's one where you walk in, they evaluate your car and they say, we'll give you this much for it. Yeah. And at that point I was like, fine, whatever. <laughs> the, the irony is I was getting rid of that and I got the Jeep that I still have after, <clears throat> 15 years. So it ended up being a better choice all around, but the one that I got to replace it was almost 10 years older, manual and two doors and still have it to this day. So, um, there were just some things that had I been smarter, had I been wiser, had I been Mm -hmm. probably older, uh, that I should have walked away a lot earlier than I did, but I was hell bent on getting that specific vehicle and I deserved it. Um, cause why not? So <laughs> that, that was my most painful lesson. So what was running through your mind? I mean, you mentioned that you wanted it and you weren't, you know, you weren't walking away. What went through your mind whenever the price changed and they couldn't get the model right and everything? What what were you thinking at that point to not um, recognize that and be so focused on getting that vehicle? Um, I think part of it was at that time, again, it was the follow-up lesson to getting a vehicle that was at a dealership that was subpar. And I found out I found out when I was trading my truck in that the uh, it had damage, and so they weren't going to give me value on it that I thought. Mm-hmm. So there was a ding against me that I'm like, man, I could have figured that based on the mileage, the condition, this, 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 and this, I should get a good price on it. And I didn't. And so I was shook up on that. And... You know, this, it's always been my thing with cars is that I look specifically for a certain vehicle. I know what I'm looking for. Most people, when they go to a car lot, have an idea of what they want. But what I've been told is that most people, when they go to a lot, it's the same reason why they show you three and four different vehicles. If you've ever had this experience is that whatever you initially came in to look for, most people don't drive away with because the salesperson does their job and gets you into a different vehicle or one that's cooler, more economical, more in this case, gas friendly, you know, whatever it may be. Um, but from research, this and that I've been told that people do not go and buy a specific vehicle. They go to get a new vehicle and they don't drive away with what they initially (laughs) drove onto the lot looking for. Um, I also learned that when you go to a dealership, you don't ever take the vehicle in that you're going to trade in because it gives you more of a chance to walk away Um, because they also like to keep the keys on those vehicles. Um, And it makes for an easier sell for them and a tougher time for you walking away. What was really going through my head? I had a partner at that time that didn't give me 
objective feedback and her comment was, well, I thought I was the wife and I was just supposed to say yes. Hmm. So that was one of the downfalls of that situation. Um, Needless to say, that's where I was in the situation that we were both bad spenders at the time. Yeah. Um, But I could make the money work because, you know, I'm a math nerd. So (laughs) that's how I made it work. And that, that was my honest thought. I've got to make a little personal rant here because some of the things you're saying, they spark this, um, this aggravation in me. And I'm probably going to make someone you just mad want to shake by me, what I you? say here. <clears throat> <laughs> no, it's, it's what you, what you just showcased there is exactly why I refuse to go onto a, dealership lot unless it is a true like used car lot i refuse to go on to a dealership lot to buy any year model vehicle because their sole purpose is to get you to walk away with something that you can't truly afford or you don't necessarily want or you know it's going to be the best vehicle for them to sell you not necessarily the best vehicle for you to buy and i remember growing up you know, my dad would be out shopping for a truck and he would, would drive in on the Sunday afternoon or at night because as soon as you drove in that parking lot during the day, within five minutes, there was three guys standing outside that sales office just waiting for you to step outside start looking at the vehicle. So he, he would he would make dang sure. And sometimes they're drooling. Yes. He would make dang sure that he was not there the time that they were there because he did not want to be pressured into a vehicle. My dad does not make decisions fast. He does not like to spend more money than he has to. A car salesman will be the last person he would want to interact with. And I kind of share that same sentiment. You know, I know what I want to buy. I know how much I'm going to pay for it. And if you try to talk me out of it or to something higher, I'm probably just going to be mad and walk away. I'm not going to do that. But I want to go and I want to, you know, make a buy. I want to do a deal. I want to be satisfied with what I have. And not once... Have I ever felt like stepping onto a dealer a lot, you were going to get truly taken care of if that was your approach? Now, I know people are probably yeah. going to disagree with me because they maybe have wanted to buy a new vehicle. They've had good luck with salesmen. If if you can can get by with that, great. You know, I'm not saying you shouldn't do that. But that's why I personally have kind of a, a unwritten rule that I'm probably never going to step foot on a dealer lot and buy a car because of of what you experienced. Well, and I will say that 15 years ago, in 15 years, my experiences have changed because I was just as good as at buying vehicles off of auto trader. Um, my, I don't know if we talked about this. The first vehicle I bought was off of eBay in Florida, which is, you know, nowhere (laughs) close to Missouri. Um, you know, 20 years ago, um, I've used Craigslist, I've used different things and you have to know what you're dealing with. You also have to know what to be careful of in those situations. But I will tell you that in the last three vehicles that I've purchased, um, each one worked out fairly well. Again, I was looking for a specific vehicle, but I was shopping. It wasn't the first vehicle I found. I didn't show up on a lot and say, hey, this is what I'm looking for. Can you find it? No, mm-hmm. I did the legwork. 
And I looked nationwide. A lot of people don't do that. But because of what I was looking for, I went far and wide to see what I can find to make it work for me. Um, Each experience has been a little different. Uh, We talked about the vehicle we bought in December. And that was one that we'd been looking. This one was a very good price. It had low miles for the age of the vehicle. Um, I knew what we should... I knew that based on the price that they were showing uh, through the listing, that it was a good price and should expect didn't necessarily need to haggle on the price because the price was already significantly lower than others with many more miles. Um, And they had just taken it in. So they didn't even have pictures of it up yet. And uh, like I said, it, the vehicles that I look for, I happen onto them because I'm looking over time. It's not an, oh, I've got to have it right now. So I'll t- take the first one that comes along. Right. There's a lot of research that goes into it. Um, so I've learned that in 15 years, a different approach and what to expect. And, you know, had this vehicle we got in December, had it not been the price or the condition that they had represented, we would have walked. Yeah. And you bring up another point. Um, we'll try to not make this the car episode, but I think this uh, this needs to be mentioned as well because this is another kind of pet peeve. I shouldn't say pet peeve, but it just it doesn't make sense to me. Um, if you are in a spot, <clears throat> excuse me, where you've got to have a vehicle, you know whether you have wrecked yours or something happened, you know maybe there's a, there's a repair that's not quite fixable, whatever the case is, you need a vehicle and you do need it. Now, you know, you aren't in that spot where you can go shop for the best deal and whatnot. You, you got to find something. Um, people are going to argue with me on this one too, but you do not need to go to a dealership and buy a brand new car. You go buy the cheapest car that you can find. That's going to get you down the road until you can save up to go buy something that you actually need and can drive. I have seen more people get in a wreck or get a, a transmission blown out or all of a sudden they don't have enough room for the three car seats, whatever the case is, where all of a sudden, Oh my gosh, we've got to go get a new vehicle because we had to have a new vehicle and they go buy a brand new vehicle. Bob, help me out here. This just drives me nuts when people do that. What, what do you, what, how's it, how do you think about it? I, yeah, it's, I take my time. I research it. I make sure that I've got a vehicle that's in good shape right? so that I don't come across those situations. It, it's another preparedness thing. Um, now we have more than two vehicles for us. And if we would have that type of situation, we have another vehicle, which we had to have with the Jeep back last August through January, I think. Um, and that got to be tense on a couple of occasions, but um, we're fortunate enough to be in a position. Again, I like vehicles we have vehicles that work for us and we can, we have an extra. Um, yep. Just because that's where we've chosen to put our money. You do make an excellent point. If you need something, you need something now. Don't buy new. Um, it, it It's a convenient excuse, but probably not the best um, financial decision that you'll make this year uh, or decade. Or ever. But... <laughs> Yeah. You know, I I think you're along the right lines of 
looking for a vehicle elsewhere. Um, but you still need to do some research. And in, in the case of having like a, a wreck, um, rental car coverage usually would cover 10 to 14 days, something like that. I think that's a good rider to have on your yep. insurance. Um, simply because that gives you some peace of mind that you don't have to have something tomorrow. Um, th- that would be the best point that I have as a takeaway on that. Yep, absolutely. Completely agree. That's interesting. Yeah. I, I didn't know what you were going to have. And I I'm glad that that was your lesson because it kind of allowed me to, to have some fun on my personal side. <laughs> well, folks, I'm sorry to break it up like that. Um, that was kind of an abrupt split, but whenever we recorded this episode, we did not plan on making it two episodes when we first started. So there wasn't much of a, a break in there, but at the end of it, we decided there's a lot of content. There's a lot of, of conversation and uh, we want to give our, our viewers a chance to absorb it all. So we are breaking this into two parts and next week you'll hear my story, my financial lesson and mistake. But to talk about Bob's, um, I hope that you gain the insight from his experience and buying from a, from a car dealership. I know some of you out there probably have had good experiences with car dealerships, and that's great. If you have gone out and if you've bought a vehicle um, and, and not, you know, been price gouged, not like you, you know, were taken around the bush, you know, had a good experience and I'm glad for you. But I feel like that is probably a rare occasion and there's there's several reasons why I highly suggest and recommend that you do not go to a new car dealership, um, but that wherever you go, you do your research, you do your homework, and you don't just buy the first thing you come across unless you just have to have a vehicle. You buy that vehicle, you save up, you buy your next vehicle, and you keep upgrading. Um, but I think this is a great conversation because I know a lot of people have probably dealt with this. A lot of people have probably experienced this and there's probably some stories to tell. So jump on over to the Facebook page at Freedom Money Coach and share your share your story, share your thoughts, your perspective around this. Um, let's see if someone else has had this, this instance and we can learn from each other. We can continue to grow and continue to uh, do better with our money because of that. So here we go. We're going to sign off for this part one. Again, do not forget about the Revive Summit happening next week, the 4th through the 6th, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Completely free event. You can sign up at freedommoneycoach.com slash revive. Folks, thank you so much for being a loyal listener, for, for going on the ride with us, for learning and for growing and for being a part of our incredible audience. We enjoy so much having you here and we'll see you again next week.